listening to the Echo Community Church Podcast. We have a passion for being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we hope this podcast inspires you to take another step. Let's join our pastor for today's teaching from the Bible. On the screen, you'll see uh, a picture, a screenshot of our core values on our website. A core value is something that your group, your business, your family thinks are really, 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 really important. And you say, these are the ideas or the words or the phrases that we're going to live our life by. And so some businesses have these, some families have these. This is a cool thing to do, mom and dad. I don't know if you've ever sat down and come up with like a mission statement for your family or a couple core values for your family, a couple words or sentences that say, this is what we're all about And we're going to make sure that these things guide all of the decisions we make as a family or as a business. Well, we as a church have eight of them. There's probably four or five hundred that would be good, but we couldn't remember all four or five hundred, so we picked eight. And we review these every so often. Our SLT, our strategic leadership team, is reviewing them this year. And on that list, you'll see words and phrases like the Bible or uniqueness. Uniqueness is one that says, One of our values is that we're going to lead with an awareness of our cultural diversity. We want to be aware that within our church and within our community, there's lots of differences, different ages, different parts of the world we've grown up in, different ethnicities, different languages, and we're not going to assume and lead that everybody is like us. I'm not going to just lead like everybody is a middle-aged white guy uh, of German descent that grew up in Pennsylvania. I am aware that in this room, in fact, I might even be the only one of my kind here in, in, that, in that way, but I love the fact that there are people not like me in this community. Where else could I go in my life to make friends? Or even, I was, I was saying to somebody the other day who is about 15 years older than I am, grew up in a totally different place, but who has become a really good friend of mine that I met through this church. And I said, you know, if it wasn't for church, you and I would never be friends. Not because we wouldn't like each other. Where would we run into each other? Uh, you're, I wouldn't run into you at the rec sports league. I wouldn't run into you on my street. You don't shop at the same grocery store that I do. Church gives you an awesome opportunity to build friendships with people from all different kinds of backgrounds in life, and it's beautiful. That's one of our values, that we always want to be aware of that and, and play that up and be humble and learn from different people's cultures and experiences so that we can be a church where no matter what your background is, that you can come here and be celebrated for that and meet people like you and meet people different from you and have friendship. I don't want to go too deep into that, but the one on there I wanted to talk about today is one, two, three, four, five, six down. I don't know if you can see it from where you're sitting. It's the word honor. We figured we needed to have a definition for all these words because there's different ways that people define all of those different words. And so we, we've defined each of those words with a sentence. And the way we defined honor is this, that at Echo Community Church, we respect We celebrate and we esteem. Esteem means to hold somebody in high regard, to think highly of, to lift up in the way you think about them. We esteem the people the Bible teaches us to honor. Now, it's hard sometimes to narrow some of these things down to one sentence. All of them deserve a paragraph, but none of you are going to go on our website and read paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of information, so we just get smaller definitions. I think we need to take a little time this morning and unpack that word honor and talk about what, it, what the Bible says about it, how you honor people, 
and then who we should honor. What does the Bible tell us? Because our number one value, these are not in any type of ranking order except for the first one. Our number one value is that the Bible, we believe the Bible trumps everything. It is the first word and the last word. It is 100% true. It is rock solid. It is timeless. It is God's ultimate authority to us, and it has the final say. And it has the first say and the final say on everything. And so anything we think about honor, we need to base it, the basis for that is what the Bible says. So I'm going to give you a definition. This is not a short one. Those of you that take notes, this is a lot to write. But this is a longer definition of honor that I think will help you. But I bold-faced the part of this that I think is the one you can really grab onto. So kids, students, adults, here's look at the bold-faced part. This is what I want you to remember. Honor is when we treat somebody as more than common. We treat them that as more than ordinary. No, you can honor a thing, I guess. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Today we're talking about honoring people. And to honor somebody means I'm treating you like you're just more than, you're not just another ordinary person I see at Starbucks. You're not just a common person I pass by as I'm running errands. You're not just another girl on the team. You're not just another kid in the class. I'm treating you as more than ordinary. Honor is when we elevate them in our hearts. We elevate them in our thoughts. We choose to treat them with esteem. And it inspires us to act towards people in ways that go above what's usually expected. Okay? This is a fuller understanding of honor. It's treating somebody that they're more than ordinary, more than common. Now, let's be honest. It feels good to be honored, doesn't it? Somebody said no. Okay. Um, maybe you've never been honored properly. I think it feels good to be honored. I like, in fact, let me ask you another question. Do you like being dishonored? No. Treated like less than common, less than ordinary. The Bible says a lot about honor. And when the Bible majors on something, we need to major on it. Okay? We need to major on what the Bible majors on and minor on what the Bible majors on, minors on. The Bible is filled with scriptures and verses about honor. I'm going to read a few of them to you. And then when I'm done reading them to you, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to tell me what are groups of people the Bible says we should honor. So let me read these verses to you. First of all, Psalm 22, 23. Pray, this is where honor starts. Praise the Lord, all you who fear him. Honor him, all you descendants of Jacob. Show him reverence, all you descendants of Israel. All I'll say, the first and foremost person where honor begins is our honor of the Lord. We honor him first and we honor him most. Now, not everybody does. I'll say this this way. The hardest challenge that you're going to have about honor, or I should say this way, the biggest challenge in honoring is not giving honor to the people who you think are honorable. That's really easy. In fact, you don't even need Jesus for that. You know what I need Jesus' help for? I need Jesus to help me give honor to people who I don't think are honorable, but the Bible tells me I should honor them. That's where I need help. That's what separates a follower of Christ from someone who doesn't follow Christ. Because as a follower of Christ, I honor the Lord first. And the way I honor the Lord is by honoring the people he tells me to honor. So I can't honor God and withhold honor from the people he tells me to honor. Does that make sense? Crickets. Awesome. I'm doing a great job this morning. Okay, we'll keep reading then. Are y'all here? 
I know you have masks on, but are you here? No one's even talking to me today. Are you okay? All right, those of you that, thank you, Chase. Awesome, extra allowance for you this week. Um, those of you that are online, talk in the chat room because your pastor's getting discouraged today. It is quiet here this morning. Honor your father. Okay, we'll do Romans 12, 10. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring who? Each other. Now that just opens, this makes this very broad, doesn't it? Starts off by saying, honor the Lord, and then we look at another verse that says, you should honor each other. Okay? Exodus 20, 12, every parent has taught their child this verse. Honor your father and mother so they won't kill you. No, I'm so, that's not what it says. Honor your father and mother, then you will do what? You will live a long life, full life in the, in the land that the Lord is giving you. Honor your father and mother. Here's your favorite verse. This is your favorite verse. Many of you have said this next verse. This is your favorite verse in all the Bible. Let me read, read it. Let me remind you. I know you've got this hung up everywhere. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. How about an amen on that one? All right. Well, we're, yay for taxes. I know how y'all are voting. All right. Yay for taxes. Here we go. Um, give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Aren't you glad this is in the Bible? One thing I do want you to notice is that there are no first and last names included in any of these verses. There are, however, roles, offices, and responsibilities. And the Bible draws a distinction between honoring individuals and honoring the office that individuals hold. And the Bible is very clear about honoring father and mother, officials, government leaders, offices that people hold. Because no matter how, the, the closer you look at anybody who's in any of those roles, the more you will see they are not perfect. So it's a relief that the Bible says only honor, honor. It's a relief that the Bible does not say only honor perfect people. The Bible says honor these specific offices of authority because God will honor those who honor him. And a way we honor God is by honoring the people and these roles and responsibilities. 1 Timothy 5.17, the, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So there's a couple different groups here. Obviously, the Bible says honor each other. I'm going to take that one off the table. Here's my question. Give me one of the groups in those verses, and there's many more verses about honor. We're just picking a couple, okay? Out of those groups, uh, out of those verses, tell me one of the groups we're supposed to honor. Parents, yep. Parents, the people who raised us. We'll come back to that one in a second. Give me another one. Jesus, very good. In fact, that's not on our list, but it should be number one on the list. We are supposed to honor the Lord. Very first verse we read. What's another group in there? Elders. Okay, the spiritual leaders. I have that as number three on my list, and that'll come up because uh, it, it's designed to come up after number two, and we haven't had that one yet. So yes, spiritual leaders, the people who disciple us and instruct us and teach us in the things of the Lord. There's another one in there from Romans 13. People and authority. So yeah, so the Bible teaches us at least these three groups. There's more than this. Okay, Bible teaches us to honor parents, the people who raise us. Number two, it teaches us to honor those in authority, not just government mentors. Look, some of you uh, play rec sports or things like that. You have coaches, right? Some of you have mentors, kids. You have teachers. Uh, some of us grown-ups that are in uh, college or getting continuing education, we have teachers. Most of us have bosses. These are people who are in authority. The Bible is very clear that 
that honoring authority begins our relationship with Jesus. You know you can't have relationship with Jesus unless you submit to his authority. That's part of what we bring to the table. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? We're confessing you're an authority over me and I subject myself to you. And it moves on from there. And then spiritual leaders, the people who disciple and instruct us. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about all of those groups today, but I'm definitely going to talk about that first group. That first group. Parents, question. Do you ever outgrow the command to honor father and mother? Is there an age where you're exempt from that? I'm going to answer it for you, and the answer is no. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God says to you and me, honor your father and your mother. And like I said earlier, that is easy to do when you agree. That is easy to do when things are good. But that's not always a natural thing to do. You never outgrow the command to honor your father and your mother. God expects you to show honor to the people who raised you and brought you into this world. You realize something. You would not be here this morning without a father and a mother. I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. I hope I don't have to. You literally wouldn't be here, whether they were good, bad, or indifferent, whether you know them or you didn't. How many of you are here because a woman carried you in her body for nine months and brought you into this world? Okay. Or eight months or seven, however long it was, right? You understand what I'm getting at here? You literally would not be here were it not for a father and a mother. It's their unique DNA that makes you exactly who you are. And God says we honor him when we honor the people who gave us life. And here's another, here's another thing for you. I don't know if you realize this. Every single parent is flawed. Let me say that in a different way because I don't know that that came out the way I want to. Every parent is flawed. Every parent. Every dad is flawed. Every mom is flawed. How many of you have figured this out yet? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, there are some exceptions, right? My boys are like, what? Yeah, okay, now Chase, Chase is correcting me by telling me that he gets it. Probably my three-year-old hasn't figured it out yet. I want to keep him in ignorance as long as I can. Now, I am a parent, and I have parents. As a parent, I know I'm flawed. I am not perfect. My dad's name is Jeff. My mom name, mom's name is Debbie. They're great parents. They're not perfect. The Bible doesn't tell me honor Jeff and honor Debbie. The Bible says to honor the one who is my mother, honor the one who is my father. Have you figured out that your relationship with your parents change from when you're younger to when you get older? Have you figured that out yet? When you're little, and we got some little ones in here. We got Isaiah, who's done. He has had it. Chase, we've got Esther. We've got, we've got I, see, I see Christopher back there. See, we've got a bunch of our little ones. Say, hey, what's up, guys? Good morning. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Roberta. You've, I always marvel at how you get that many people ready on a Sunday morning. You guys are all-star parents, I'm telling you. When you're really little, it's like your parents, you know, for me, you know, I had mom and dad at home. And it's like they're superman and superwoman. They could do everything. They were so tall and strong 
And when you're little, here's how you honor your parents when you're little. You obey them. You do what they ask. In fact, I'll get, well, this is just when you're real little. Here's how you honor mom and dad when you're real little. You obey your parents. I'm gonna, and then when you get a little bit older, like Chase, this is your age, okay? You're five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm going to add on to it. You obey them immediately, <laughs> cheerfully, and willingly. Yeah? And all the parents are like, man, if my kid would just do that. How do you, how do you get your kids to do that? Easy. You obey your leaders cheerfully, willingly, immediately. You obey your boss, those in authority over you. And now it got real quiet. They're going to learn that from you. They're going to learn that from you. Then when you get a little bit older, I'll add on to it some more. Obey your parents before they even ask. You know when it's time to clean up the toys yourself and put them away where you know they belong because you took them from there. When mom says, it's time for dinner, you come cheerfully, willingly, immediately to the table, and you don't issue commentary on what's in front of you. You thank the Lord for it because there are starving children. No, we won't go down that road, right? Yeah, yeah. I need Kendra to come back to keep you in. No, I'm just kidding. When you're little, when you're young, we honor our parents by obeying them. But then you don't always stay young. You get a little older. You hit those teenage years. Some of you are there, right? You hit teenage years. It's amazing what happens. You, when you go from a child to being like, my parents are like Superman and Superwoman. When you become a teenager, it's all of a sudden, how are my parents wrong on everything? How do they know less than me about how to live life? Some of you are laughing because you've been that teenager. Yeah, okay, all right, now we're, now we're resonating. You know, right? Here's the thing. When you become a teenager and a young adult, you, here's the biggest difference. You start to see all the flaws and the cracks in your parents. You start to see, man, they, they're inconsistent on some stuff. They raise their voice at me when they're telling me not to raise my voice at them. They're not always honest or truthful about things. They have tempers. They have bad days. In some cases, it's worse than that. But the older you get, the more you start to see the broken parts of people's lives. And as teenagers, you really get your eyes opened. And teenagers are awesome fairness detectors. Um, how many of you grew up with siblings in the house? Okay, You have brothers and sisters or a brother and a sister. I, had a younger, I have a younger sister and then a brother who's younger than her. We were awesome at detecting fairness, man. It was like if mom and dad did not give out assignments equally, it was immediately a conspiracy. I'm talking about bedtimes. Everything down to the allotment of chicken nuggets at dinner time. Some of you don't know what that's like. Literally, in my house, it was like there was five of us and there was a ratio of how many of an item you could have. That was just how it worked. There was five of us, and usually mom bought things in a pack of six. Who got the extra one? Whoever got done first. Right? That's just how it went. But we were fairness detectors. And you want to get one of us angry growing up? It was when we thought one of the other siblings was getting off too easy. 
or a rule changed between when I was 12 and when my sister was 12. It's like, okay, God changed his mind on movies. God must have changed his mind on going to school dances because that was all outlawed when I was 12 and now it's okay and this is not right. And as a teenager, I didn't want to hear it. My parents always wanted to help me and tell me things about how to live. I did not want them to do that. What's the way you honor your parents when you're a teenager and a young adult? You see your parents' faults and you forgive them and you give them grace. When you can see your parents' faults and say, I forgive that. I can give grace to them. That's how you honor your parents when you're in that season of your life. But you don't stay there. If, if they don't end your life at that point and you make it to young adulthood, it changes again. My whole relationship with my parents changed when I moved out of the house and went to college. Whole relationship with my parents changed. And it got better, but it just got different. Because now, instead of them always, in my mind, forcing me to have to listen to them, now I find myself saying, man, I'd, I've never done taxes before. I've never had to open up my own bank account before. I've never had to buy a car before. I've never... I better call my parents because they'll tell me. And all of a sudden, it's like I wanted to hear everything my parents had to say on stuff. All of a sudden, my parents went from not knowing anything to knowing everything all over again. And it, the whole relationship changed because now I was the one taking initiative to reach out to them and to say, what do you have to say about this or that? Here's the thing you'll find out, though. As a young adult, especially once you start moving out of, once you change your address, things change. And as an adult, the responsibility is all on us for the choices that we make and the benefits that come from those and the consequences that come from those. And I know there's parents in this room whose hearts are heavy when we talk about this because you love the Lord and you raised your kids to know the Lord and you did your very best you could to set a good foundation of godliness in their life and, and to follow the path of wisdom. And despite your best efforts, your kids today are lost and they're not serving the Lord. They're not making choices that honor Him. And I wish I could turn that switch of, you know, and when, when that's where you're at as a parent, there's a sense that you feel. It's always in your heart. It's always there. There's always an unrest there. And the enemy can pile on and make you feel guilty, make you feel shame and second-guess yourself. And it's natural as a parent to want to take, we want to take the hits for our kids and say, listen, it must be my fault. At the end of the day, even the most godly man or woman cannot transmit their godliness to their children. You can't transmit it. We need to look no farther than the guy we've been talking about last few weeks in the Old Testament, Samuel. One of the most godly men that ever walked the face of the earth. Raised his boys to know the Lord. And even when they became adults and became priests, they, they didn't honor God with their lives. They made sinful choices. They got swept up in making bad decisions, things they didn't learn from their dad. Their dad never taught them. He taught them to do the opposite. But they got to a place in their life where they decided to make wrong choices. And the people threw it up in Samuel's face and say, how can you be a good spiritual leader when your own kids are acting out of line? And the Bible teaches us that no parent can transmit godliness to our kids. We're responsible. We are responsible while they're under our roof, we're responsible for them. But there's going to come a point where you and I, who are adults, we know this, we have to start making our own decisions. And your kids, you're going to get there. And I know you're excited to get there. This is going to make no sense to you now, but it will later. Enjoy this while it lasts. You will constantly be looking over your shoulder in life saying, those were the good old days, but you didn't think they were the good old days when you were living in them. And I don't want you to live that way. 
I remember as a kid, I couldn't wait to be 10, that I couldn't wait to be 16 so I could drive, or 18 that I could vote and move out of the house, and that I couldn't wait to be 21, and I didn't even drink, but I just wanted to be 21. Then after that, it's like, okay, what do I look forward to now? 30? And I remember being a teenager to be like, oh, my life is the most difficult. And now, you know what I say? Oh, my teenage years, those are the best. I remember being in college, and I couldn't wait to get out. And now I look back, and it's like, oh, dorm life was the best. We're not the best detectors of the good old days. There's a sweetness to the season that you're living in right now. And there's difficulties in the season that you live in right now, but life is seasons. They begin, they end, they're cyclical. Every season brings opportunities and difficulties. Fall brings beautiful leaves to some and then work for rakers, right? Winter brings beautiful snow and then there's the shovelers, right? It's just like, you know, it's every season has something beautiful in it. Other things you have to look at. When you're a young adult, and you start making your own decisions. Some of the decisions you want to make with your life, you and your parents aren't going to agree on. Your mom's not going to see eye to eye with you on everything. Whether it's that tattoo or that job, that major you've changed for the fifth time, your choice of fashion, your choices of how you spend your money, whether you take out credit cards or not. You're not going to agree with your parents on everything, but you know how you honor your parents in your young adult years? You listen to them respectfully even when you don't agree. You show them your opinion still matters to me even if I'm not going to do anything you just advised me to do. You still listen respectfully. And then, then you get to my season of life, the mature, seasoned season of life, which I hope I'm getting more mature and more seasoned. I'm not sure, but you're in the season of life. I'm in my 40s now, and I'm on some surveys when it asks me my age and it gives you a grouping, my parents and I would check the same box, and that's just, (laughs) that's different. I have a different relationship with my parents now than I did as a young adult, and I won't go deep into this, but let me say this. How do you honor your parents in my season of life? Now, for some of you, your parents aren't with us anymore, okay? Honoring them is a little bit different. But if your parents are still alive and you're an adult like I am, I'll give you three words. Here's how you honor your parents. Stay in touch. Stay in touch. Some of you know this as the parent who has adult children. And if I could hand a microphone to all of you, and ask you, what does it mean to you when your child on their own just calls or texts or sends an email, not asking for money, just to talk, just to check in? It means so much. Adult parents who have adult children have a deep, deep need to know your kids are doing okay. They have a deep, deep need to know how you are, where you are, what you're doing, how you're feeling. And you might feel like, I don't even want to go into all the details. They love the details. Most of them do. Maybe they don't. But most of them do. They love the details. They want to know, how is work? How are the kids? How are you doing? They've invested more in your life than you can ever understand until you're a parent. And just the fact that you would go out of your way to communicate with them and stay in touch, I will tell you, it will mean the world to them. And at some point in life, I would add on this one, stay in touch with them and take care of them. And I can't talk much about this this morning because I'm already out of time. Other than to say that there may come a point in your life where the roles of caretaking reverse. 
When we're little, we need our parents to care for us. But as our parents age and as their health changes, there comes a time where we can, as their kids, take care of them. Their material needs may change, but just being willing and able and available to care for them is huge. So in my office, there's, I'm kind of a minimalist in my office. I don't like a lot of things because I'm also a little bit OCD, meaning I like things to be organized and in place. And it's very difficult to do that <laughs> in life in general, but there's like one space in my life I don't like to get, it, I don't like it to be messed up. I don't like things to move around. It just distracts me. So on my desk, when I leave every day, I clear the whole desk. There's only like five things that remain on my desk. I have a lamp, I have a box of tissues, I have a phone, I have a thing of hand sanitizer, and then I have a little cup, a little, a little cup tray, a little like placemat for my mug. And it's very special to me. It's a little square, and it's a customized, one-of-a-kind piece of artwork. And um, I think when we valued it, it, it would cost somewhere between 30 and 39 cents to uh, make it. It's a little piece of extra bath tile that has a coloring sheet super glued to the top of it. And then it was custom designed in one blue crayon, scribbled across the whole thing, uh, and then an adult wrote the words Isaiah 2019 on the picture. And for Father's Day 2019, my little guy, who could barely talk at that point, was so excited to walk up to me and give me this custom piece of artwork that cost 39 cents. To me, it is priceless. It will remind me of a time in his life when he was young and innocent and so happy to see me and give me things and the inevitable season where that will change. And I always want to be reminded of this season of his life. It honored me when he did that. What am I saying? It does not cost a lot of money to honor your parents. It just takes time and thought. It does not cost a lot of money. It just takes time and thought. And you might be thinking, but you don't understand my relationship with my parents. My parents were not honorable. My parents caused and still cause me deep hurt and pain. I don't have a normal relationship with my parents. So what do I do when the Bible says I need to honor a father and or a mother who have been less than honorable to me. First of all, I want to tell you, I'm very sorry for the hurt and the pain that that's caused to you. There's nothing fair about that. There's nothing right about that. But God doesn't want you to have to bury your pain. He wants you to face your pain and deal with that pain so that you can move on with your life. And I'll leave you with this thought. If if that's the relationship you have with a parent, can I encourage you? Here's an option for you. Have a conversation with them that starts something like this. You say, Mom or Dad, I really want to celebrate the good parts of our relationship, and I want to have a new relationship with you. But I can't do that until we deal with the pain that you've caused me that I still feel. I want us to talk about this so that we can move forward and have a new relationship together. Pastor, that's really, really, really hard. It is really, really, really hard. And you are capable in Christ of having that conversation. But pastor, the parent that caused me so much pain is not with us anymore. 
or I can't have that. They just won't listen. I can't have that conversation. Okay, and here's what I need you to do. And this is your pastor speaking, someone who loves you. You still have pain that you're living with that's holding you, that's messing up the way that you live. And that's not fair to yourself to have to walk through life letting somebody else control that. And for your best health, if you can't talk to them or they're not around anymore, please share it with a Christian counselor. Get it off your chest. Share it with somebody who can help you extend forgiveness, receive healing, and move on with your life so that that's not hanging over your head anymore. I want you to live and have good, healthy relationships with your parents, and sometimes not because of your own choices, but because of their choices, you can't do that. The beautiful thing about following Jesus is that he talks about forgiveness, healing, and redemption, that even if they're never sorry and they never change their ways or it's not possible, you can be free. You can move forward. You can live a healthy life. So we're supposed to honor our parents. We're supposed to honor those in authority. Don't have time to go through that one this morning. Um, That'll save for another Sunday. I'll tell you in advance that we'll talk about that one. And I bet attendance will be record attendance that Sunday morning. Um, Spiritual leaders. Let me say this about spiritual leaders. Um, When you honor the people who disciple and instruct you, they'll be even more committed and devoted to their assignment. And some of you who have found relationship with Jesus through this church, we might be your pastors, your elders, your administrative board members, your ministry leaders, your teachers. We might be the, your growth group leaders. We might be the only spiritual leaders you've ever had. But for most of us, we're not the first spiritual leaders you've had, and we won't be the only spiritual leaders you'll ever have. The Bible holds your spiritual leaders to huge. They say we are those who must give an account for how we disciple you. We have to, literally, it's like inviting all the neighborhood kids over to your house and saying, I'll take responsibility for anything that happens to all of you while you're here. I don't do that. I don't want to take that kind of liability. I get nervous. I know, you know, Chase and the neighbor, uh, his good buddy lives next door and he comes over and plays a lot. And that's fine, you know, taking responsibility. But I'm aware when there's another human being over there that I'm, you know, they're out on the trampoline. I better be paying attention to what's going on because it's on my watch. Spiritual leaders are people who say, I am willing for God to hold me accountable for all the kids who come into my house to learn about Jesus. They have a tough assignment. But you can honor them simply by encouraging them, praying for them, listening to them respectfully, giving them the benefit of the doubt. And when you see their flaws, and you will, if I had a nickel for every time that someone came in and heard one message and said, oh, Pastor Phil, you are just, oh, you're the, you're the best preacher I've ever heard, and we can't wait. I've, and I always say, listen, I appreciate that, but remember this conversation the first time I say something you disagree with. Remember this the first time I make a decision you don't think is right. And almost every time the people who are so quick to say that thing are the first ones to bounce out of here as soon as they're just looking for a leader that agrees with everything they already agree with. Or they're looking for a leader who's perfect, and I'm neither of those things but I understand the responsibility that I have before the Lord. Why is it so difficult for us to honor people? I'll tell you why. It's because our culture as a whole doesn't treat God with honor. Our culture as a whole treats God as common. And if you treat God as common, you'll treat people as common. Here's what Craig Groeschel shares. Here's a quote. I'm almost done. I've got this quick illustration, and then we're going to pray. Here's what Craig Groeschel says in his book, Alter Ego. Our culture tends to treat God as common. We're too familiar with him. We refer to him as the man upstairs or the big guy. Or we say things like, Jesus is my homeboy. 
Jesus is not your homeboy. He is the soon-to-return, ruling, reigning, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and the Omega. When he returns, it will be with a sword. He's the righteous one who shed his blood so that we would live. Now listen to this. We have to stop treating God as common or ordinary. When we're able to see him as he is, we will honor others, not because we want to be good people, but because his name is on our hearts. We're no longer common or ordinary because having his name on us makes us valuable. We have God's autograph written across our hearts, just as a great painter would sign his masterpiece. So in my pocket here, I have a two and a half inch by three and a half inch piece of prime cardboard. I know, right? Here, hold on. See the back? Two-sided. Yeah. Identical even. You don't understand? Good. Okay. It's because I'm an effective teacher. Okay. Two and a half inch by, okay. Okay. We'll have conversations later. Two and a half inch by three and a half inch piece of cardboard. Costs maybe a penny and a half. Um, I kept this in the bottom of a drawer underneath some Sharpies and staples. And it's just an ordinary piece of cardboard. I have a second piece of cardboard. This one is actually from the same company and the same manufacturing plant where this one was made. Just a little bit different. Okay, I'll show it to you. It's this one. Same... Exact size, same exact thickness, same exact cardstock. Few differences. This one, um, they spent another penny by putting the picture of a man in a baseball uniform on the front of it. And on the back, some graphics in Time New Romans font, which is still being used, or it was at least in the 1970s, of, uh, of his career stats. Uh, which of these two do you think is worth more money? The Willie Mays card, right. So the only difference, really, between these two pieces of cardboard is that this one has been signed in a blue Sharpie by a man named Willie Mays. Six of you are impressed. Let me tell you, let me tell you why you're impressed, the six of you. You know Willie Mays. Willie Mays is still alive, one of the few players of his era that were alive. He was a baseball player. Started playing in 1952, played for the Giants in New York, stayed with the Giants when they moved to San Francisco, came back and played for the Mets to end his career. His last baseball card is 1973. He played for like, you know, he played for a long time, like 20 seasons, made tons of all-star games, hit 660 home runs, which is without steroids, right? Little guy in big baseball parks. Um, dealt with all kinds of racism and all kinds of difficulties becoming a major league ball player. Was nicknamed, anybody know the nickname? The Say Hey Kid, known for this huge catch he made in the World Series. We saw the actual glove he made the catch with in the Hall of Fame. Um, the six of you that are impressed, you're impressed because you know who Willie Mays is. And this card, this piece of cardboard is treated much differently than this one. This one was in the drawer under Sharpies. Someone who knows the value of this card, if I told them I kept it in a drawer under a pile of Sharpies and staples, would have a heart attack. Some of you think, yeah, that's, I understand. This card 
is, was sent off to California to a third-party authentication company called PSA, Professional Sports Authenticators. It cost $20 to have this card encapsulated inside of a waterproof, ultraviolet-proof, tamper-proof container. It has a serial number that is directly assigned to my name. It is kept under lock and key in a safe place. It's not, I collect baseball cards. It's not one of my most valuable cards, but it is a valuable card. I don't want people to know what cards I have. I keep it out of the light so it doesn't fade. I treat this card with more honor than this card. Even though the cards are identical, there is an autograph of somebody that I value highly on this card. And because of that, I treat it with more honor than this one. But why do some of you still say, I don't get it. Why would someone pay you $1,000 for a card with somebody's Sharpie scribble all over their face? I don't get it. You know why? You don't know Willie Mays. He makes no difference to you. He's just another common, ordinary athlete. You have no interest, and that's okay. But you know why you have trouble honoring other human beings? It's because the fact that they have God's autograph written on their heart doesn't move you at all because maybe you don't know him like you think you do. The Bible says you will find it easier to honor the office and the people you find less than honorable when you fully recognize God's autograph is written on that piece of his artwork, even if it's a lost piece of artwork. And he says to you, you want to honor me? Honor my artwork. Honor the things that I have signed with my name and my son's blood. Honor them. And when you can value someone for whose they are, even above who they are, you will learn to honor the way God wants us to honor. Let me say that again. You have to learn to value people based on whose they are, even above and beyond who they are, if you want to honor the way God instructs us. Every president we've ever had has belonged to Jesus and that he paid the price for them. And every one of us could go through every president in our history and give a long laundry list of everything about them that you don't find honorable. For some people, the list might be longer than others. But God still calls us to honor those he's placed in authority over us, to pray for them. And even when we disagree, and we, do, we disagree honorably. We disagree respectfully. There are exceptions when leaders command us to disobey Jesus, to not do the things he says we should do or to do things he says he shouldn't do, the Bible says, all right, there's a different way we approach that. It's difficult to do that. When you, anytime you look closely at who someone is, you'll find reasons not to honor them. Remember whose they are. Remember whose they are. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Echo Community Church Podcast. If today's message impacted you, or you want to talk about one of the topics we discussed today, email us at info at echochurchmd.com. We would love to connect with you online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube by searching our church name, Echo Community Church. Send a message or leave a comment to at Echo Community Church and let's continue the conversation. And if you live locally in Baltimore County, Maryland, we invite you to our Sunday worship experience. You can find out more on our website at echochurchonline.com.